In today's episode, we're going to talk about being a reapplicant. So it's that time of year, and maybe you're still waiting to hear back from a couple of schools, but I mean, probably not at this point. Or maybe you just were waitlisted and you still haven't heard anything back, and you're kind of wondering whether or not you should even try again for another cycle. We hear things from candidates about feelings of being rejected and just hopelessness after having gone through an entire application process, which is pretty long. We understand that. But we just want to tell you is you don't give up. Even though, or as much as I'd like to believe that we're pretty good at getting students into PA programs, uh, this last cycle we, we had about 98% of our students were accepted into at least one program. But we're not 100%. So there's still, even some of ours who, for inexplicable reasons, we're not even sure ourselves why they weren't accepted. So you don't want to give up. Um, I know the temptation is easy to do it. I hear things from students about how they feel too old or they're reaching a point where they've got to make a career choice. You know, being a little on the older side, when I hear this from a 30-year-old, I kind of I kind of wonder sometimes. I just always like to point out that about two cycles ago, we did have a candidate who decided she wanted to become a PA, and she did this at 53 years of age. So you're, you're definitely never too old. And Certainly, we do understand that people want to move on, get ahead, start uh, start with a career. But over the years that I've been doing this, I have seen many applicants who gave up that shouldn't have. And again, I, I know it takes a lot of uh, a lot of grit, a lot of fortitude to continue to push on after you've been turned down by multiple programs, especially when you don't know why. So a lot of students will generally try to get some kind of feedback from the PA programs that they've applied to. And uh, I'll tell you, back in the day or a long time ago, we actually used to do that. We'd provide direct feedback. But with the sheer numbers that PA programs are dealing with these days, when you're talking about a program receiving 2,000 or more applications per cycle, it's really hard to give any specific feedback. So most of the times the schools are going to provide very generic feedback, such as you need more hours or uh, you need better grades or changing your position to a different clinical position, shadowing more PAs, more volunteer time. For some reapplicants, it can be pretty obvious in terms of your grades. Maybe you didn't meet the minimum standards or some of your coursework is long older side, or maybe you're just not in the right clinical setting. However, for some people, it really is a mystery. Uh, in fact, last cycle, or I should say two cycles ago, we had two of our students who weren't accepted, and one had her master's and an overall GPA of 3.78, and even despite some interviews, she still was not accepted. The other one uh, despite having thousands of hours of research as well as some really solid patient care experience hours and a GPA of 3.83, also uh, received interviews, but just for reasons beyond what we could explain, she didn't get accepted either. Now, both of them did get accepted this current cycle after they'd reapplied, but uh, to the both of them, we're still always scratching our heads as to why they didn't get accepted either. So, if you haven't been accepted this current cycle, again, don't give up. Uh, 
like we keep saying, we know how hard it is to try again, and it is a long process, you know, starting with the application, picking out the schools, your statement supplementals, etc. But as it is here, uh, the first week of March, and for those who don't know, so CASPA will open on April 28th of this year, 2022. Obviously, we're getting to that point where you're going to probably need to make a decision or start thinking about a decision whether you're going to reapply the cycle or not. Now, just be aware that as a reapplicant, you do stand a better chance than most other applicants. Being a reapplicant says something about you and your character. For example, the fact that you did go ahead and reapply right away shows the admissions boards that you're the type of person that won't give up. You'll, you'll find the answers if, if you run into... Uh, an obstacle or if you come up against something you weren't sure or didn't understand, you'll find out the solution. Either seeking help, uh, maybe going to your professors if it's a course that you're having difficulties with, if it's changing your role in patient care. But being a reapplicant tells the admission boards that if you're having difficulty in their program, you're the type that will find answers. You'll go out and look for a solution instead of just letting yourself get behind and then ultimately not succeeding in the program. So sometimes we hear students asking if it's bad to be a reapplicant, and it absolutely is not. Again, it's actually in your favor to be reapplicant. Certainly everybody wants to get in on their first cycle, and for the current cycle of 2021-2022, uh, 74% of our applicants who were accepted were first-time applicants, and uh, the vast majority of them actually get into multiple programs. Uh, the top student that we did work with this current cycle, who was a first-time applicant, was accepted into seven programs. That being said, you can only attend one program, and that's all anybody really needs or ultimately wants is to get into that one program. But if you are going to be a reapplicant, there are things you should consider and should know. For example, just submitting the same application again with some minor changes to your personal statement is just not going to cut it. So there are things that a school is going to look at that you really need to take into account and uh, look at how you can be more competitive for the next cycle. For example, you need to have continuing education. Now, what this means is that you need to uh, demonstrate that you are continuing to take courses that will make you a, a better student in their program. So whether this is taking an additional course such as immunology or pathophysiology or genetics, you know, a, a course that you don't have, and even though these are not required courses by all or uh, most programs, they will help you to look more competitive. Or maybe you need to retake one of the science courses that you didn't do so well in. And this is another way. Certainly this will help with your GPA, but mostly it will demonstrate to the program that you are continuing with your education. Quite frequently with reapplicants, what we notice is that they're not taking additional courses after they finish their undergraduate work. And they just kind of rely upon that, or they might take one or two extra courses and often these are not even courses that are going to be beneficial in terms of a PA applicant. By the way, uh, often we see students that will take science courses that they're trying to boost their science GPA in. For example, 
if you're going to take courses such as astronomy or uh, earth science or maybe something like geology. These are science courses and will help with your science GPA, but unfortunately the admissions boards are, we understand that these are not relevant towards the field that you're trying to pursue. So while it might raise your GPA, it's not going to help you in the long run. So if you're going to be taking continuing education, especially if it's to raise your GPA, should look at courses that are actually going to help uh, again, immunology, genetics, pathophysiology are just some of the more common ones, pharmacology, and there are more. But uh, continuing of your education is certainly a key factor for a reapplicant. Now, you have to continue your patient care hours. And we've seen this as well, too, with people who have applied and they're getting ready to reapply, but they've stopped. And although this is not very common, it does happen where somebody has stopped working in the medical field for a job that maybe pays more money. And certainly we could all understand you know, financial needs of a person, but uh, when it comes to the admission boards, they're, they're really not taking into account your personal lives or your uh, financial obligations that you may have that requires you to leave that job. So you need to stay in a job that is healthcare related, of course. But take a look at the job that you are or were doing and is it the best environment? Because a lot of times people are not working in areas where they're getting, you, you're certainly probably getting patient care experience, but is it a rounded patient care experience? And are you working around physician assistants? For example, we had a student a couple of cycles ago, she was working in an ophthalmology clinic. And she worked alongside a doctor, but obviously her her practice or her exposure to patient care was very limited uh, to a single specialty that is fairly narrow focused. And as much as we can talk about diseases such as hypertension, the effects it has on a person's vision and diabetes and et cetera, it's still not going to be competitive enough. And there were no PAs working where she was. So what we had instructed her to do was get a job in an urgent care center where uh, she was working directly with PAs, and it, it changed her whole application. I mean, now she had much more competitive hours. She was working around PAs to get exposure, which helped her write a letter, good personal statement, as well as getting letters of recommendation. So one of the things you should consider, at least look at, if you're going to be a reapplicant, look at your patient care experience hours and see if these are of the competitive nature. As I said, you know, there are many hours that do count, it's just they're not all going to be equally competitive. And a lot of that determines what field you're working in as well as who you're working with, and preferably you will be working with PAs. Another item that's very important when it comes to being a reapplicant is to continue your volunteer work. This is probably the one that people tend to slack off the most on. A lot of times people, they, they've developed their volunteer hours and once they submitted their application, they kind of let it slip a little bit and then as they're not hearing back from programs, they just stop it entirely. And then by the time we talk to them, it's probably been about six months since they last did any volunteer work. So don't give up or don't let up on the volunteer hours. These are This is a very important part of any application, first time or uh, a reapplicant. 
But as a reapplicant, you need to demonstrate continuation of your volunteer hours. It's just not something that you can let up as it will stand out, particularly if there's a gap. And by gap, I mean a gap since the last time you applied until this time. It looks fairly obvious. Again, we'll hear a lot of reasons why students couldn't do any volunteer time. It was uh, personal or their work was overwhelming or um, not, not available, but Unfortunately, again, when we talk about 2,000 people or more applying to a particular program, we'll find candidates that do have volunteer hours. So don't let up on the volunteering. We know that it's been difficult during the pandemic, and it still is. I mean, the pandemic is not over. And we know it is difficult to get the, sh- uh, the volunteer. We know it is difficult to get the volunteer hours, but there are ways to find them, and it's either contacting your local hospital, maybe it's the Red Cross, could be your county health department, and there are many, many other resources. If you really look, you will find them. As I said, other applicants will have them. So if you don't have any recent or current volunteer hours, you need to get out there now and start gaining these. When it comes to volunteering, it's not so much how many hours do you have volunteering as much as How often do you do it? So something consistent, doing it on a regular basis. It's not that, well, I did a lot of volunteering last year at this free clinic or with this blood drive or whatever, but I just haven't had any recently. Or the last time I did it was back in college when I was putting together this fundraiser or whatever. It's nice that you have a lot of hours, but it's just that you have to be consistent, have regular hours, something current, something recent. And this is what's looked at in terms of a reapplicant. Another thing that's really important when it comes to reapplying, it is shadowing. And again, I I know with the pandemic, actually even prior to the pandemic, getting shadowing hours is very difficult. Plain and simple, it just is. However, with the pandemic, obviously it became nearly impossible. But on the other hand, out of the pandemic was created virtual shadowing. So if you're not aware of virtual shadowing, one, it does count. Two, it's very, very easy to find if you just go on any social media website, um, such as Facebook or Instagram, should be, sh- you should be able to easily find virtual shadowing. And because of the pandemic, many schools have either reduced the number of shadowing hours required or they have uh, made it very minimal. So you should be able to get that with virtual shadowing very easily. It doesn't absolve you of the need to have shadowing. Again, even if the program is saying that they no longer have a shadowing requirement, because there is virtual shadowing, you should have a few hours. Uh, Virtual shadowing is essentially just a one-hour session that you're going to watch over uh, on your computer via Zoom or some other online media format. But make sure you're doing these. It's not something that you want to leave out of your application As I've said before, you'll have thousands of other applicants who will have these. So we're not going to, these most recent cycles and probably this new cycle coming up, the 2022-23 cycle, we probably are not going to be focusing much on the number of hours, but just that you have some. So if you were doing it, say, once a month or twice a month, once a week would be great. Again, with virtual, there's lots of opportunities out there. Try to find these, get it uh, on your application before you, obviously, before you submit. 
But get this going. Don't wait until just before you're going to submit your application. You want to get going on this now. Again, here it is the first week of March, and CASPA is going to open up very soon. Um, and before you know it, you may have, you know, you're going to run out of time. So start looking for shadowing now. Obviously, if you can get in-person shadowing, that's preferred, but at least do some virtual shadowing. So these are just some of the major things that you want to think about if you're going to be reapplying, that you need to demonstrate a, a difference from the last cycle, why you're more competitive this time than last time. Other things to consider are certainly looking at the schools that you're applying to. Are you being realistic based upon your application? Honestly, it really is not going to matter in the long run where you go to PA school. And uh, next week we're going to talk, we'll do a an episode about PA programs and how to go about picking them. But a lot of students are going to go for, you know, the top name programs. And of course, you're going to be competing against, uh, you know, a large number of other applicants. I'm not saying that you shouldn't think about these schools, but there, there are probably other schools that might be a better choice if you're only shooting for the top name schools. Again, ultimately in the long run, what you become as a PA it's largely going to be dependent upon who you work for and that person training you. Certainly some schools do have better facilities. Uh, they may have more research going on there and other things that make them a better program than others. But ultimately, any school is any PA program is a good program where you'll be able to take the pants, sit for the pants, pass, obtain your boards, and begin practicing as a PA and then once you start working, then you're really going to learn your, your trade and whatever specialty you go into. Certainly, there are other factors to consider when it comes to being a reapplicant, such as, such as, did you have competitive letters of recommendation? One of the applicants we saw this most current cycle who was a reapplicant, one of the, one of the letters of recommendation, the, the title said, stay-at-home mom. This person was not sure why they didn't get in, and certainly that wasn't the only reason, but it did play a part into why that person probably did not receive an interview. Just about anyone can write you a letter of recommendation, but they're not all going to be equally competitive, so you need to look back at who's writing those. Was it your GRE score? Uh, for the schools that are still taking the GRE as part of the application, there is um, kind of a cutoff number that they're all looking for. But suffice it to say, right now, um, after this current cycle, the quantitative number should be somewhere in the 50th percentile when it comes to your GRE score. On the other hand, if you're just not going to take the GRE, or if you don't think that your GRE is going to be competitive enough, there are plenty of programs out there that are not even looking at the GRE score. So, of course, that's another way you could look at which schools to pick out who, where you're going to apply. Naturally, the personal statement plays a big part into who gets interviewed. And, of course, getting to the interview is what you need in order to get accepted or at least have the opportunity to show the programs why they should pick you. Uh, routinely, we get students that, for no other reason... It's just their personal statement why they did not receive an interview. This current cycle, we had a student who has a GPA of 3.75.
She works as an EMT and has over 15,000 hours of direct patient care experience. She had all the right letters of recommendation. She has volunteering. She had a lot of shadowing. She really had a great application, if not for her personal statement. When she contacted us, we'd reviewed her CASP application from the most recent cycle, and unquestionably, it was the personal statement why she didn't receive any interviews. And, of course, you're not going to get accepted without the interview. So certainly you're not going to just regenerate the same as last cycle, or you're not just going to move a few words around. If if you weren't accepted this last cycle, there's probably a good there's a good chance a good part of it had to do with your personal statement. So you need to take some time as figure out what was it in your statement that didn't either didn't get their attention to grant you an interview. And we know a lot of people will go online, such as uh, some of the I don't know popular websites that talk about how to write your personal statement. We're certainly not here to say that. You know, we're right and they're wrong. It's just that a lot of that information is the same that everyone else is reading. So when you're online reading things that say, this is what should be in your personal statement, or make sure you mention this, and you think, oh, that's a great idea. I should put that in my statement. Bear in mind that there are thousands of other applicants who are also reading the same information you are, and invariably the personal statements sound very much alike. So in our last episode, we did talk about uh, the things you should not do or put in your personal statement. So we covered a little bit of that. But try to avoid the storytelling of a personal statement. Because we, we hear this commonly about how you're supposed to tell a story, get their attention. And I think, you know, we talked about last week, it's, it's not that this is untrue. It's just the story that the programs are looking for is just your story, not a story. This is not an English composition course that you're taking or trying to present a short story for grade in an English comp class. We really just want to know why do you want to be PA, which has to do with why did you choose medicine, how did you learn about PA, and your observations of being a PA. And when you write your personal statement, try to avoid what we call fluff. So these are things that just uh, conflate something more than it really is or needs to be. So, for example, one of the ones we read today was about how the PA demonstrated their incredible, admirable intelligence. That's called fluff. So at the boards, we understand, you know, when we know you're observing a PA, we we already know that they have high intelligence. You don't need to amplify it or try to exaggerate it. So just kind of avoid the fluff in your personal statement. But again, remember the personal statement. A lot, of, a lot of times when people don't even receive an interview, many times it just simply has to do with your personal statement. So again, we just want to reemphasize that if you are a reapplicant or if you're at that stage where you know this cycle is basically over and you're, you're contemplating whether or not to go forward with another cycle, I know it seems daunting to have to think about doing that application all over again. Although course your your information is all saved so all that's going to just transform over into the next cycle so mostly what you're talking about is just finding out the areas that you can improve upon whether it's taking some additional coursework raising a gpa it's uh continuing with your patient care hours or possibly changing position to a different role such as medical assistant in an urgent care center. It's continuing your volunteering hours. It's continuing your shadowing of PAs, whether it's virtual or in person. 
and then writing a new personal statement. Of course, the other things such as uh, the GRE, if the schools you're applying to require that, it's the letters of recommendation, a few other things. But I know it seems like an overwhelming task to take on again, especially with the uncertainty of whether or not you would even get an application or an interview this cycle since you may not have received one this current cycle. Or if you did receive an interview, but again, not sure why you didn't get to the point of getting accepted. You can always contact us here at PA Mentor for a free consult with, with one of our physician assistant mentors, and we can talk to you about how you can be a more competitive candidate, what we do to help our students get to that point where they are accepted. So if you have any questions, just feel free to reach out to us. Go to our website and just send us an email if you just want to sign up for the free consult. Uh, maybe you're a reapplicant thinking I, you, know, you just need a little boost to get you back in the seat again to make sure that you don't give up. Or maybe you're thinking about becoming a PA. Maybe you're still doing your undergraduate and thinking of doing it next year. Uh, certainly, this is the time to get started. We always tell applicants there's no such thing as too early. We have students that sign up uh, in their first year of college. Not many, but we do have some that have signed up uh, their first year of college just to keep on track until they get to that point where they're ready to submit their application. But, but if you are a reapplicant, don't give up. Don't despair. Uh, I've worked with people. I had one woman this year, this current cycle, it was her fifth time. Now, we hadn't worked with her previously, but this was her fifth time applying, and there were just a few things that she was doing wrong. So we helped her with that, and she did get accepted. So certainly nobody wants to go through that, but if this is something that you've really set your mind on doing, don't give up just because you're going to be a reapplicant. Uh, it happens to a lot of people. Granted, um, more than two-thirds of our students do get in their first cycle, but we do also have some that don't get in. So, uh, but we know what it takes, so reach out to us if you'd like some help if you're going to be a reapplicant. And thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our other episodes. And again, next week we should be talking about which PA schools are a good fit for you.